out beyond ideas of wrongdoing and rightdoing. There is a field. I'll meet you there. When the soul lies down in that grass, the world is too full to talk about. Ideas, language, even the phrase each other doesn't make sense. Hi everyone. Imke and I saw each other once at a meeting, and then we became friends on Facebook. Since that meeting, I kept on hearing about her, and the things said were very, very good. I kind of wish that I knew her better. Then I saw her Facebook posting that she was celebrating a one-year milestone, and I grabbed the opportunity to invite her to come and chat to us at Meet Me in the Field. I used to be nervous about chatting to people who I do not know, because I felt that I could not really steer the conversation well, and thus not feel that I was in full control. Now, working the codependency program, I know that control is my worst codependent trait. I'm thus surrendering it, and I'm finding my chats with people whom I hardly know very inspiring and interesting. I think Imke and I connected really well. This podcast is supported by The First Layer, the 12-step workbook on working through the 12 steps in any addiction in 21 sessions. There's also a 24-day step coaching and counseling program available based on The First Layer. For more information in this regard, go to www.freddy.org.za and click through from the notices at the right of the homepage. This is Imke's story. Sit back and enjoy. Imke, welcome to Meet Me in the Field. Thank you, Freddie. I feel very privileged and honored to be here. Thank you for having me. Awesome. How are you doing today? I am exceptionally well. It's Friday. I'm getting ready for my meeting. (laughs) (laughs) I've been looking forward to Friday for the whole week. (laughs) You live in Stellenbosch, but do you work in town, in Cape Town? I work in Newlands, yes. So do you travel through daily? Daily. Um, that must be a, a serenity tester from hell. <laughs> yes, yes it is. I put my music on and, um, you know, we can disappear from situations very easily. So I have my music and I love driving. It's me time. It's my time to think. Okay. I sometimes listen to gospel music that helps me put me on a high for the day. I hear that a lot where people say the meditation or the connection is gospel music so that is yours definitely it definitely does something to my my soul and my being my well-being i think music has always been my thing okay do not get me wrong i i was addicted to rave clubs oh yes (laughs) in the good old days listen i mean i mean what's the word today trans techno thing something i can't call them trans parties we used to call them raves yeah, How the camel and all of those. I am on a 38 years old. No, 39. Soon to be okay. 40. I can't wait. You? I cannot wait. Do you know few people I know? You can't wait to turn 40. Mm. Well, 40 is a new 30, so... Yeah. And not everybody's got that So privilege. it sounds as if you're ready to grow up. <laughs> yeah, finally. Not grow up, grow old. <laughs> no, this will be growing up. Yeah. I, I think. As yeah. Seeing that 40 is a new 30, and that's kind of the grown-up age. Yeah, no, I'm going to be a grown-up soon. I'm ready for that. Oh, you really? It's taken... Can you can you adult? Uh, yes, I can adult. Oh, my I, God, I, no. Yes, I'm Okay, let, let's end this conversation. Let's, let's, uh, let's fuck all I want to hear. Yeah. I'm learning daily to adult. Oh, cool. It's taken me long to accept the fact that I'm not somebody's child and someone needs to take care of me. And uh, yeah, so I pulled up my socks. And <laughs> <laughs> put, put on your big old panties. <laughs> yes, some lipstick with it and here we go. 
<laughs> your poop vanger pantie dag gaat kijk. It's a daily struggle. <laughs> but I I'm, I'm making well. it, yeah, I'm making it my, my thing. I used to, I remember so well being up until early 40s. Yeah. I used to say to people, I'm not old enough for this. I know. I truly believed that I was not equipped to take responsibility for certain things yeah. in my life. Yeah. And that's one thing I, I, I got from recovery and I always say to people that the one thing recovery taught me was that I can take responsibility. The one thing that rec- which I like, the one thing that recovery taught me is that I have to take responsibility. Yeah. Because my normal answer was, I didn't know. Now I know. <laughs> I can't get away from that. You know, the thing that I've also learned now, in the, the years leading up to me actually joining a group and meeting and learning about becoming a person again and taking back my life, the one thing that I did learn is I do not have control. I do not have control over one single thing. I am at the age where I have to be a grown-up. Whether it's something I can manage or not manage, it's where I am. Because you've got children. So, yes, I do. How many and how old are they? they I have a 16-year-old son. He is my saving grace. And then a six-year-old daughter. Um, and we're both slaves to her. <laughs> so, they he rock in the house so as swing, it should she be. She swings the scepter. <laughs> She's the boss and she knows it. And they have pulled me through to see that I will reach my 40s next year. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, um, it's been a long journey. Are you from Cape Town? I am originally from Robertson. Okay, so Western Cape yeah. Gold, schooled then, there. Yes. From a fountain. No, but we're in the farming farming community, (laughs) but um, yes, so my future was supposed to be marrying Afrikaans Boersien, Mama, ek wil een man hee. (laughs) (laughs) I'm really giving away my age. (laughs) (laughs) So I said no, I want to go see the city lights in Joburg. Okay. Yes. Well, that's a big jump. Yes. Many, many steps out of town. So that father and mother freak out completely. Mm. Yeah. And what made you decide on Joburg and not Cape Town? Cape Town, they could still get in their vehicle and come and fetch me. Okay, so you wanted to go I away. I wanted to be who I wanted to be okay. and do what I wanted to do. So what did you go and um, do in Joburg? I had to look for a job. Okay. I had to look for a place to stay. So the, I had to find friends. The, the picture I've got in my head is like in that um, Lorica Rauch song, like Martin's is like, well, yeah. you got in your little beetle. <laughs> and it I a got beetle, in what? someone's beetle. Oh my God, I guess. <laughs> we took a detour through Neisner. It was an event, adventure. A bag full of clothes and there we went. Um, and we ended up in Joburg. Started making a living. Started. Where in Joburg did you end up? In the East Rand, all of the East Rand. Okay. So it wasn't even the glamorous. <laughs> it wasn't the wasn't East It was no, oh my god. It okay. was the East Rand, so it was all over. Um, and yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed my years of freedom, and I did as I wanted to, and got myself into a whole lot of trouble. <laughs> that you take full responsibility for. That I take <laughs> never took any responsibility I did it for. My way. <laughs> Exactly. And it was everybody else's fault. Of course. Yes. So I took 
didn't take responsibility and that made it even better to enjoy your younger years because it's you ended up here and now you must make the best of it mm. which i did so you were a product of christelijke hoer onderwijs correct and yes. full in here oh full sitting in the front first five rows still with a hat on or at least luckily no hat okay. but bobby socks <laughs> and little leather shoes oh cool so that's how we were brought up we were sitting in the front row every sunday and we listened to the domini and we had our little um sunday school afterwards and i just it was too much for me to stay in the circumstances i was in my mom passed away when i was 14 Okay. My dad remarried wonderful woman. He had a wonderful wife that passed away and he married his second wife, a wonderful woman. Oh wow. So we were blessed with two So you got along with her as yes. well with stepmom. Yes. Okay. So we were Good. She <laughs> she didn't necessarily appreciate the way I got along with smacking and slamming all the doors, but she was a lovely person. Was you were storming drunk teenager. I was yes. Went mm. went to school smelling of liquor and smoke. Oh my god. So when school ended or when my matricula ended, I decided to pack my bags and leave. So did did religion resonate with you? Then after my mother passed away, I decided I will not believe in this god. Okay. This man is not for me. Um no loving god takes a girl's only love away from her. Yeah. So I completely turned away from it and um by that time I was 14, I just started smoking. and i found some buddies who were drinking so i started drinking and one thing led to the next i was a dagger roker by as i left school um and then from there it was easy in joburg to use the next thing and get on to the next bus yeah. and the next boat um to go higher and higher and higher until my friends didn't make it out of the trips that we used to take mm. Um, and you started losing them, oh. and uh, then you realize that this also is not a good thing. So whether you believe in this God or not, your people are going to die. Yeah, and um, your tribe. Yeah, your tribe. So got thinner and thinner. How was what was your father's reaction when you kind of started rebelling and moving away from the value yeah. system that that you were taught? I think he tried hitting sense back into me <laughs> and then he tried talking to me and then we got the pastor but nothing worked until I made the decision or I was at the lowest part of my life to realize and thankfully I was brought up in a Christian home so I had something to fall back on which i now realize now this grown up part of my life is a blessing it is a blessing to have something to fall back on and someone even though it wasn't family that i could fall back on to i had this god person that i started talking to and um whom i believed in my mind heard every word and i started seeing my life change from opening up to this god of mine and then i wanted to learn more okay so that's when i started going to church and um started reading the bible and praying more and more and more was this a slow process let's call it rebelieving mm completely okay so 
that's interesting. So from take me through the process of your, your thought process of from this 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 entity that took your mom away and was just <laughs> nearly the your behavior is unacceptable. Yes. <laughs> I'm not going to believe in you to Please take me back. I'm sorry. Yes. I still love you. I need your love. <laughs> yeah. So that's why I say if it, if this is then a loving God, I thought, I need saving and I need to get out of what I was in. I needed someone and I had no one. I so you grabbed no, onto what you knew. Mm, okay, cool. There was no physical person for me to grab onto. So it was either him or the devil. Those were the only two that I knew. <laughs> Just the devil in the blow seer. <laughs> and you, I thought the were, better option would be the God. Were you in Cape Town then already? Yeah. Okay. So yeah. it's physically Disney devil in the blow seer yeah. that you had to. I had to. I had to pick something and someone, um, and I met people in my life that guided me and that told me to. Uh, some woman that just came across my life and, and she said to me, "I need to learn more and focus on on." really building a relationship how did this happen with this higher power yeah how so did this happen how did it happen just an arbitrary woman that yeah that i met through um i cannot even explain the history of it <laughs> if you don't mind yeah. sounds like an interesting story yeah so she went to school with my father and I saw her once in my wild days with my pink hair and my earrings all over my face. And then at a point of my life where there was no one and I was trying to build this relationship with my new God, she walked into my life again and made contact. And um, it was a WhatsApp that she sent on my mom's birthday in 2015. And from there, she's guided me, and she also said to me to get into a fellowship and um, walk, try getting to walking before I start running again. So this is now three years ago. Yeah. And have you met her again since then, or has it been I've, a? No, it's mo it's mainly cyber, phone, and emails communication, and we've seen each other twice or three times, I think. So how did it happen that she made contact with you that day? Did she just think of you on your mom's birthday? And yeah, and she got my number and she made contact with me. So it's been quite an amazing journey. I love stories like this. Yeah, yeah. And she is... So she's like an angel that was seen Perfect, perfect example, yeah. Yeah. So through my life, she's always checked in now and again. Um, and then I'll just say hello or... Get a letter in the post in those days. The good old days. Still was a stamp. The stamp and everything. <laughs> One of those you could still lick and there was gonna be no substances on it. Um so she used to check in and send me a message always on my mom's birthday. Um and then that year I, I decided I really actually need someone to talk to. So it's been quite a process. From being alone and not having anyone not having any relationships and isolating myself. Maybe not physically, because you always talk to the people at work and the neighbors when you get home, but, but spiritually and emotionally, I was um, very alone. And I can say in the past 
since then I've grown and become an adult and realized that I also have something to do with where I ended up. So it's, it's a journey. It's a daily, daily journey for me where I don't, I'm excited for the next, next um, path or road or hump in the road. <laughs> Because there are going to be those. They're there. <laughs> and, and, they we, and we know them so, so yeah. damned well. Yeah. So, you okay, look puzzled. My, I don't know what type of person I am, but my eyes right to the top are my thinking. When I sit there, it's that little corner there. That little corner of the wall that's not painted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's where you're thinking. And your thinking think, spot. I need to get a brush and cover that white. Do you see that? There's one little oh, spot. Oh my word. That yeah, is, that's eyes. my thinking spot. So my clients already know that when I go there, then this, 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 this mind is racing. Because mm. what I'm trying to think, you celebrated one year clean. One year of yeah, being sober and clean, and that was on the 1st of October. Awesome. But this kind of divine intervention happened in 2015 mm. so what happened in that two years so making a decision <laughs> making a decision does not mean that you've completely changed and I am very fond of a little picture I have it everywhere it says under construction Christian under construction human being under construction so yes I've made the decision to change my life and to turn it around but unfortunately at that point you do not immediately stop smoking or stop being codependent or stop your drug abuse or your alcohol abuse the process of just changing and making small changes one thing at a time has taken quite a while so the seed was planted yeah. in 2015 and slowly but surely yeah what type of things did you start doing First of all, I realized that, or I was taught, <laughs> probably always knew it, that putting things in your body that's not necessarily good for your body is actually wrong. Yes. <laughs> so It's amazing how we don't know that. <laughs> no, because it makes you feel good. But on, in the long term, you're actually doing more damage. So what I've discovered the past year, all the damage that I've done the previous 20 years, it's not just leaving my body. You don't just give up on a good time and not realize that 20 years of using this substance has changed your thoughts, your way of thinking, the way you live, the way you react. And someone said to me this week, and I said, but I'm special. He <laughs> says, yes, just like everybody else, exactly, we're all yeah. special. You are an absolute like, unique human yes. being, just like everybody else. I'm specialer than everybody else. <laughs> specialer. <laughs> Spell that for me. Yes, specialer. <laughs> so, yes, you are special, but we all have these struggles. And hiding from them and not thinking realistically and taking life um, serious as it should be you actually do more damage to yourself and that's what I've learned now in the past year giving up on cigarettes giving up on alcohol are you serious yes how long has it been non-smoking oh almost six months oh cool and my cough has disappeared so this is what I wanted to get to my cough has completely disappeared 
my lungs, I can actually run a bit, jog a bit. So I'm, I'm really starting to feel brand new physically, mentally, yes, physically, yes. I'm starting to, to feel 16 again. <laughs> From what I can hear, your spiritual journey start, effectively started in 2015. Mm. That was when you had some form of awakening. Yeah. And then slowly but surely things started, an awareness started and then you started mm. making small changes. Yeah, correct. So my first awakening was in 2006 when my son's father passed away. Mm. And I realized that I do not want my life to end like this. This child now only has the one parent. And that thought lasted about half a day. And then I got back into my way of living. And um, then you try and get away even more from what's hunting and haunting you. Yeah. And then slowly but surely I tried and tried and I would swap one bad habit for the other and then, yeah, take turns between living on the edge um, until 2015 when I had that real moment of this is it this this is now the last time that you have to mess around because otherwise you will end up where most of your friends are so you were 35 36 then yeah yeah so on your 36th birthday there was kind of a what i'm hearing is a message of hope um, or, or, or something of hope i was at the lowest point in my life so my first husband had died my second husband had left me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I wonder why. If you're not always drunk, you're working. So, I mean, there's, there's, there's a point or an end to how much someone can take. Yeah. And I just realized that I cannot live like this. I needed something. I had no friends. I had two children that I didn't know how to handle or how to raise or what to do with them. Um, therefore, I always had a bottle of brandy in the one hand and a child in the other child on the hip and wallet in the bottle store and I just realized I could not live like this I am like you say you're on the wrong side of 35 but I don't think age really had anything to do with it I knew that I could not take care of these two kids on my own in this situation mm. sounds like a very very dark place it was a horrible place and especially because I did not want my children to do what I did by running away from the house, leaving a bright future because the house was not the place that you wanted to be. Yeah. So I had to fix my house. And in order for me to fix my house, I had to fix me. And so I you couldn't needed do to create that. a home for them. Yeah. And in order to create a home for them, you needed to clean your house. Yeah. Your own personal... I had to get rid of whatever was holding me back. And there was a lot. <laughs> there still is. So did you do any form of therapy? Or did you yes. just enter the rooms and... I, I entered the rooms. I've been in the rooms now for just over a year. Where I learned the <laughs> all so many things. Just coming clean from... from um, drags is one thing. But then there's liquor. And then there's yeah, codependence. There's so many things. And you mentioned the word work as well. Yeah, so this, the, so that's my last thing that I'm trying to fix. Um, I mean, last last week was, I don't know how many hours, 60, 70 hours 
And it's just insane. Mm. It's, it's just not worth it. So yes, I'm now currently addicted to work. Um, two hours without work, <laughs> out, out working, so counting. But I entered the rooms. So so, the first thing I did, I went to a, a mental health center where they equipped me with life skills. Okay. How do I react? What what do you do when this happens? Yeah. You do not open a bottle of brandy. Yes. You do not do that. That's not how you handle something. Your action is to open a bottle of brandy. So let's teach you to respond differently yeah. or, or to respond yeah. appropriately. Exactly. There are, there are so many things that you can do. Yes, reaction and response. So that's the difference. So I, I, I choose now and I know to think about things first before I just act. So that was the first thing I did for 21 days. Okay. Um, where there are professional people that help you just to, to learn the basics. Yeah. <laughs> Not to go and hide in a do- dark corner when something bad happens. Yes. Uh, and that helped me, and that has helped me to now. Then from there, the, like I said, the, the, the old... F- f- long time ago friend or, or woman that just appeared into my life and whose buttons uh, or whose number I could also always dial and then my Bible and then the rooms. So this woman sounds nearly like in your spiritual guide. Yeah, yeah. She has, she's a very, very strong person. She would say things like, focus your energy on the positive things. Stop dwelling on those negative, mm-hmm. hurtful, horrible things. Mm. Focus on what you can and what you have control over. And, and attend meetings. Be with people and learn and serve. So, yeah, that my life has changed in the past <laughs> 14 months completely. I feel like a new person. I'm attending school functions like a mother. <laughs> Like an adult. Like an adult, like a mother. I still go with my jeans. I still go with my tattoos showing and my tackies. I don't have to wear That's after mommy clothes. Off. Yes, exactly. But I can go there and... No pinny four for you. No, no, no. I'm comfortable for the first time. I'm comfortable in this body, mm-hmm. this person. And um, accepting myself. And it's okay to be me. In fact, it's actually quite a lot of fun yeah. once you realize that you can accept yourself. Fuck, that's a place to reach, eh? I know. To, to reach that place where it's actually okay to yeah. be me. You seem to have reached it very quickly. It took me much longer than... Quickly? Are you saying I, I, it's taken me almost 40 years? <laughs> well, I'm 51, okay? so You're still a baby. You're still a puppy. <laughs> no, it has, it has taken me... Um, Many meetings, many chats with people, a lot of professional people in my life. And then what I see some people call a higher power. Um, I've, I've come to call this person my God. The same God that took my mother and that said, I will be here for you. I didn't say it was going to be easy. I just said, keep on taking the next step. Yeah. And I will be there with you. And on those lonely, lonely days when I really had no one, Freddie, I, if you look at your phone and there's 900 contacts on there and there's no one you can phone. Oh, my God. Not a single Ooh. 
That's exactly what I did. I said, oh my God. And I, I looked up and I said, <laughs> okay, you're there. I need to chat. And it was, it was really a moment of realizing that it's okay and that you don't have to be alone. Amazing. Yeah. So I was guided to, to, to be amongst people that understand this and that's been there and that's been even to worse places than I've been. And just knowing that, that you're not alone and that you can continue taking one step at a time. So, um, so it sounds to me, and you're the second person that I'm having this conversation with today, is that you know they say the opposite of addiction is connection. Yeah. Is that you have started to make connections with mm. people who understand you, who are good for you, who... Yeah. While you were on the subject of the people, so I'm surrounding myself with people that I know are not judging me. Yeah. Because what I've experienced in life, going to church, um, looking like a, a, a kid's coloring book. <laughs> and it's not that bad, by the <laughs> way. It's actually quite beautiful. <laughs> and you get looked at funny. And I, I'm like, then I don't want to come back to this church. Why do you look at me? And, and um, being accepted has been a huge thing. Mm. Being connected, like you say, and not feeling rejected, that the feeling of, Un- unworthiness and and you're not valued for being the person who you yeah. are in the last year I've had more people praising me just for greeting them just for being there just for listening um, those are the things that's kept me going yeah that's changed me into believing once again that people are good yeah that people do care and you do not have to be alone. I want to reflect so, on two things there, if you don't mind. Yeah. The first was, I'll never forget a day when I sat in group in the treatment center where I was, and I was about to open my mouth, and for the first time ever, something popped into my head, and I thought, I'm in a situation, I'm in a place where I know that whatever's going to come out of my mouth, I'm not, I'm not going to be judged. Yeah. Actually, no. The real statement that came to my head was, these fuckers are in no position to blame, to, to judge me. And oh, no. suddenly I felt so at home. <laughs> oh, no. That's exactly it. Yeah, because I suddenly realized that I've always felt judged. Yeah. And in the setup where, no, where I believe nobody's in a position to judge me, mm. I came home. Yeah. And that was such an amazing feeling. It it was, is. That was possibly our first spiritual awakening. It's a complete feeling of freedom. Yeah. For the first time ever, I was sitting in a group of people and I did training at my previous job. My job was to train people. And I'm talking from directors to machine operators. I had to train people. And in every group, I had always felt not worthy. Yeah. Amazing. Always. And you get in the rooms, my first thought was, hell, I don't belong here. <laughs> These people, I mean, look at, look at how they swear. Look at them sitting. Can you, be, no, I do not belong here. And then we started talking. And eventually, I was talking to them, missing them. Couldn't wait to get to them <laughs> because these are my kind of people. Yeah. The know? second thing I want to reflect on is, I'll never forget early in my recovery, I was walking. I was walking. And I walked past somebody 
it was it was at a meeting venue and the person said to me hi and I said hi how are you doing and in the walk past I said fine thanks or something like that but yeah. and I, I out of the corner of my eye I caught that the guy stopped mm. and I thought this is weird and I stopped as well and he looked at me so how are you doing yeah and he suddenly dawned on me that in this space people don't ask you how you're doing as a rhetorical question no they actually wait for an yeah. answer that has a meaning he actually, you really he actually to wanted to know how I am. Yeah. Where on earth do people actually <laughs> care how you are? That was such a weird feeling. Yeah. No one ever waits for you to answer. Yeah, and there, this person stopped, mm. and you was we wanted to know how I'm doing. Because a simple okay is not good enough. No, that's not what he was looking for. Yeah. That's not the answer. Mm. So, and that that's that is that type of thing that takes me back, where yeah. people actually care about how I'm doing. Yeah, and then the other thing you said, my people. So I was doing the whole the whole rehab circle because my husband yeah. kicked me out and I, I had nowhere to go. So I, I had to I do secondary and tertiary. And then when I was living in a sober living house, okay. I spoke to my mother on the phone one day and she said, so where are you? I said, well, I'm on, on, on my way to the house. She said, oh, the house you share with the addicts, with those people, with those, she yes. didn't use the word addicts, those people. Mm. And I said, Yes. And she said, so when are you going to move out from living with those people? And I said to my mom, those people are my people. Yeah. I'm yeah. for the first time in my life living in a house where I feel at home. Yeah. <laughs> and and I, felt, I felt judged. Mm. But I've come to learn that that's her stuff. And that's okay. Yeah, it is. Because my addiction is, is a bad reflection on her. That's the way mm. she sees it. But that's her journey. Yeah. That she needs to, to, to walk. I'm not going to go there with her because that's her path. So, how are things with you and your folks? Um, yes. Is that so, too, per too personal to go to? No, I actually want to start off with a very, very sad story. So in 2010, when I moved, or eight, when I moved back to the Western Cape after my husband had passed away, um, my oldest brother eventually found it in his heart to invite me over for supper. And he invited a very important friend of his, a doctor friend, and he said to me, um, maybe if you behave, you guys can like hit it off. So I said, okay. And so the doctor friend came into the room or the house and my brother introduced me as his sister. And this guy whom he's known forever says, but you never talk about a sister. You do not have a sister. Oh my word. So that's how it used to be. Oh, wow. That's how it used to be. Um, now I do, I see them often, well, often, as I, when I go to my hometown. And um, I can honestly say there's no hard feelings. Oh, wow. We hug and kiss like family, like my picture of family. So you're, you're reconnecting, mm -hmm. and again, the word mm -hmm. connect. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. My, my dad, we speak weekly, uh, once a week, and my, my stepmom. And when something goes wrong, like one of them got sick, they'll always phone me, I need to come over and oh, come and be there. They need me to love them now. So what I do know and what I've come to realize is that I, I do have a lot of love for them, even though my family was 
to me the reason why I had to leave the house. Um, it was because I didn't agree with their way of living. So for many years I blamed them for me having to leave. Mm -hmm. But now that I've accepted who I am, I realized that it was because of me. I needed to leave. Yeah. It was really nothing of their fault. Um, I needed to get away to become me. Isn't it an amazing point so. to reach in your life where you realize that despite everything that happened, yeah. your parents did the best they could. Yeah. That was such a huge huge thing for me in my life when I eventually said you know what for everything that they had at their disposal they truly did the best yeah very true and that was such an empowering thing yeah. that there's no blame there's no hate there's no what no. whatever the worst thing that happened to me was I was in very intense therapy and that was before I came into recovery and yeah. we were dealing with my mother stuff and <laughs> you should have seen the face. And <laughs> yes. we, we definitely have to make start making these video video mm. what do you, um, live feeds or, or whatever you call it. Yeah. And um, just as we were doing that, my parents actually came down to Cape Town for a visit, and it was the worst time Ooh. for them to be in my space. All the open wounds. Yes. Ooh. So my mother walked into the open wound situation, and I couldn't deal. No. I treated her so badly. Their whole visit was mm. such a fuck-up. Yeah, I can imagine. Oh, and no, I felt so bad and I couldn't help it. Mm. I was also in addiction, which they yeah. didn't know. So it was just such a bulls-up. Yeah. And I still feel so, so bad about it. Yeah, I've, I've made my amend. But mm. yeah. mother stuff are, are, are hectic, hey? No, it, it's the... It goes ooh, so deeply. Mm. Yeah, no, it's the... For me, I didn't have... A, so my little world was perfect till I was 14 years old and my mom passed away. And then I met all sorts of ugly. And for me, the, the, the thing with the family is, like you say, they did their best. Each child's different. Yeah. And I know that I am, like I said, I am very special. <laughs> I wanted things my way. So, so to have someone in your um, care that is just uncontrollable. Um, I am just filled with gratitude that they never killed me <laughs> or threw me off a, a mountain or drowned me because I wasn't an easy child. Mm -hmm. No, I wasn't an easy child. I love that that, that Bill Cosby, one of his skits, yeah. always used kind of um, his father and said, I brought you into this world, I can take you out again. Exactly. It's like the fact that your parents did, did not take you out is, is just a miracle. <laughs> no, I'm filled with gratitude because now life is beautiful. Life is really... I mean, I'm waking up in the morning and I'm thinking, gosh, this is this is life. And your children connect with them as grandparents. And they yes. Oh, oh awesome. my kids are oh, the favourite. Oh, they, my, my two children get everything right with granny and grandpa. Oh, cool. Honestly, they are the best. Sweet. Yeah, especially the... The little one. So you sounds it's, like it's, a little like a little character. Listen, I know because I can see where this is gonna end. <laughs> and the sixteen year old is is he rebellious? Is he compliant? Is he the father of the house? He's had to take care of a drug addict all his life. Mm. He's the grown up. He's always been the grown up. Shame. Yeah. So So I hope you're saving for therapy. 
<laughs> we all of us have our each each of us have our own therapist awesome yes <laughs> i'm so glad to hear that no i'm very very pro talk about it awesome. if you have a problem talk about it you don't want to talk to me i'll find someone but yeah. you're going to get it out awesome. you're not going to live Correct. with it within you because you know what now that i say that one thing that i do want to say so when my mother passed away we were told it's it she's dead we don't talk about her we continue with our lives Ooh. and i think at that point i just shut down yeah so we know we don't talk about feelings right let's keep it in and oh my god yes now now in my relationship for disaster <laughs> i i go quiet and i was being told uh, during the week again you can easily shut up for a week and not talk like yes i can <laughs> and then i start smiling again and everything is fine but but it's not yeah. so learning now as a grown-up to deal with feelings and emotions and um to get it out and and sometimes you make up stories in your head that this is how you feel and this is how you act and should should react and should handle a situation and it's not that's the Afrikaner syndrome, so, eh? ignore yes. it, it will go away. Exactly. A friend of mine always said, oh, you know, it's like apartheid, ignore it, it will go away. Yeah, it will go away, <laughs> exactly. We all believe no. that, that that's just the oh. way this problem is going to solve itself. Don't think no, for yourself, you know? sheep forward. Mm. So, yeah, so, so I'm learning to deal with these things as well. But I'm just grateful for, for people in the rooms that's always there for you. For now, I have numbers on my phone. That I can... That you can actually call. I can call any time of the day and night. And we look forward to seeing each other. Um, so my life has really... When I posted um, the being being clean and serene and sober for one year, my first birthday, I thought they, the people still think I'm weird because now I have coffee at a party. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I'm really proud because it's it's really been a lot of tears to get to this you need to get the life. stuff out you need to get those feelings yeah. that you've bottled up I had coffee yeah. with a recovering person just before okay. you arrived and part of that conversation was that I cried for nine months yeah on end I think there was three or four days in those nine months that I did not cry I needed to get the shit out yeah the more there is the longer yeah it has to to and I'm so grateful for those tears. Yeah. I needed every single one of no, them to bring me where are, I am today. There are days that, that I also just lie in my bed and, and, and that's the day that I have to work through everything and see the ones that's making me tear up and those are the ones that need attention. Mm. So, yeah, it's, it's a good journey, Freddie. It honestly is. It's Awesome. Yeah, it's a good journey, but, but I am happy that I've had someone to fall back onto when I wasn't, when it wasn't a good journey. Yeah. When I was alone and when I didn't have anyone. And um, like I say, <laughs> I'm forever grateful. I'm going to show you this one. Oh, so wow. this is oh, my cool. relationship. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's I'm looking at the tattoo, <laughs> which is, you, I love your tattoos. What's the significance of that one? That's a date. So, yeah, that's the date that I was um, baptized. Oh, cool. Yeah earlier this year because I first had to investigate the whole being baptized, you know, being baptized as a child and then growing up in a church and then going haywire. Um, I first had to make sure that that is the right thing yeah. to do. Um, so yeah, that's when I was baptized. Awesome. 
yeah, there's a couple more. It's just I need to not put them in in, in places <laughs> where they're gonna. Yeah, for interviews, I need to cover my yes. tattoos. <laughs> do you still find judgment there? I do. Are you especially I'm yes, especially among the amongst the older people. But my but my own father, <laughs> who said used to say um, that's it's very common and rubbish. Um, he he told me on last year, yeah, one of the last parties that we did together. He said he must just say that he actually do like them, and it is pretty. Yeah, so, I think so as well. Fabulous. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Listen, you must leave before you late for your meeting. But this was most awesome. I am so grateful that you said yes for this chat. Yeah, And I'm grateful for, for you coming me. to talk to us about your journey. And I wish you many, many, many more beautiful adventures on this journey. Yeah. Thank you Thank very much. You. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Awesome. Bye. Bye. MK is such a down-to-earth person and our Afrikaner roots, although very distant from each other in both time and space, are integrally entangled and you can hear that during this episode. I'm extremely grateful that Imka was willing to give up a restful late Friday afternoon to come and share her inspiring story with us. Although we refer to that lady who virtually saved her life as an angel and a spiritual guide, there's absolutely no doubt in my mind that Imka is going to be the same for someone someday. That is, if she's not that already. I wish Imka all of the best on growing up and old, and just know that she's going to knock this adulting thing for a six. If you want to know more about what I do, please feel free to connect with me on my website, which is www.freddy.org.za, or find me on Facebook at either Meet Me in the Field, or Freddy Counselor, or Freddy van Rensburg, or on Twitter at, at @rensburgfreddy or Instagram at Freddy Counselor. Please remember that Freddie is always spelled with an IE at the end. I want to thank Imka for her time and for sharing her journey with Meet Me in the Field. Thank you for listening. Be safe. Bye-bye.